You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode number six. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. Today on the podcast, I'll be answering the question, how to make a chore chart that works. I'll answer it first as a parent educator, then dive into the life coaching tools for more insight. I'll introduce today's Supermom Kryptonite, a secret energy drain that you might not know is making you tired, followed by a quick way to give Supermom a boost of energy. Before we get started, I just want to thank all of you who have subscribed to the podcast and left me review. It warms my heart so much. I love knowing that I'm not just talking to myself into the airwaves while sitting in my son's closet, that I am actually talking to real people that are enjoying the podcast. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it more than you will ever know. And today I want to talk about how to make a chore chart work. If you haven't scheduled a free discovery call, go ahead and go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash work with me with hyphens in between. It's been really nice to get to know some of the listeners. So thank you guys for those of you who have scheduled those discovery calls. I really enjoy it. Today's question comes from Melinda. I've tried chore charts in the past, but I have a hard time keeping up with them. I let things slide, but then it bothers me that my kids don't help out more around the house. My older kid is more cooperative than the younger, so I end up asking him to do more work. He complains about the inequity, and he's totally right. I get so tired of the negotiating and complaining when I ask my daughter to do a simple little task. My current system is unfair and unhelpful. How can I make a chore chart that sticks? Well, this is a great question, Melinda. And I'll start with a parent education answer. When chore charts have the most success, it's because it fits with the personality of the parent or the personality of the kid, or both if it's perfect. (laughs) Some people love the sense of satisfaction they get from checking a box, the pride they get from displaying their accomplishments, and the predictability of what is expected of them. And a lot of kids like this. They're used to this kind of structure at school where it's very clear what the expectations are. It's very predictable. And when mom can follow up with this with 100% predictability, it usually works very well. If you think that a chore chart is a match for your personality or your kid's personality, then by all means, create one and commit to it. Even if it wanes after a month or two, that's okay. Don't make it mean that it's failed or that you're failing. Just create a new one and then enjoy the novelty of a new chore chart every month or two. When you do this, you can allow the kids to have input on any adjustments to it. Most parenting experts suggest not tying chores to allowance, but instead reinforcing that it's part of being a responsible member of the household. If your kids are reluctant, you may need to provide incentive like no screen time or chores until they're completed. If 
the idea of a chore chart makes you want to rebel against it, then you can skip it. Because sometimes when the expectations are very clearly outlined and posted, it just feels like obligation and have-tos, and it makes some kids and some adults want to do the opposite. So go with the personality of your kid or of you. Let's say your kid doesn't like the chore chart, but you do, then just keep it for yourself. Keep it as a way to stay organized and like make sure that it's equitable, make sure you've gotten all the chores done, that you want to have the kids complete, but you don't have to post it and necessarily show the kid. You can find other motivation for your kid that works better. You know, maybe it's like a reward system that as soon as their chores are done, they get to have their screen time or they get to invite a friend over or they can do a brag board instead of a chore chart. So a chore chart is can, for some people, can feel like a have to and a should and a responsible thing and be more of a negative emotion. But a brag board means after you've done something, you get to brag about it. You get to publicly tell people how awesome you are by posting it on the refrigerator or something like that. So find one that fits your personality and or your kid's personality and then commit to it. And I want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper with the life coaching answer because what we have here in Melinda's question is such a classic example of cognitive dissonance. So cognitive dissonance means she has two completing beliefs going on at the same time inside of her head. Part of her has a strong value to have kids help out with the household chores. The other part of her doesn't want to negotiate and argue every time she wants her daughter to empty the dishwasher. And yet that's her reality, right? She's like, I don't want to argue and negotiate, and I also want my kids to do chores. But it comes with, when it comes to her daughter, it comes with arguing and negotiating. So when we're in cognitive dissonance, any system we implement is doomed to fail. I want to repeat that because it's so key. When you have competing values, two different thoughts inside your head that are arguing with each other, I want my kids to do chores, but I want them to be happy about it. (laughs) Those two things aren't working for you. Then any system you implement is going to not succeed because your kids are going to sense your lack of conviction. They'll accidentally forget to do their chore or they'll talk their way out of it. The only way to get a chore chart to work is to decide that it's going to work and commit 100% to it. So before you declare any new system out loud to your kids, you've got to get really clear inside yourself. So right now, for example, if you're thinking about your kids and responsibilities and chores and how much they're doing and if they're doing enough, before you ask your kids to do any chores, I want you to think about how you feel inside your body when you think about chores. So you want to pay attention to any negative emotion. Do you feel tired, annoyed, burdened, or any negative emotion come up for you? Then we've got to address this first because these emotions will cause a mom to act inconsistently and sabotage their own chore charts. So the first step to getting into alignment 
and removing that cognitive dissonance, the first step is to accept things you have no control over. So in this case, it sounds like Melinda's daughter just likes to argue and negotiate, and this is part of her personality, so we need to let it go. We cannot change who she is. We have no control over what she says, how she says it. That's really up to her. Kids don't generally like doing chores, so we're not going to pin our hopes on some magical chore chart that will make them eager workers, okay? If that's what you were hoping to get out of a chore chart, and they would whistle while they work, probably not going to happen. We just need to accept that that's the reality, that most children are going to protest doing chores, and it's been that way since the beginning of time. So first step, accept things you have no control over. A second step is to decide which of your competing values gets top priority. And I really recommend writing it all down in a journal so you can flush it all out and see it on paper. It kind of helps when you get it out of your head and you get it onto paper. And then you can see what's really going on for you and what are the competing beliefs all about. In this case, it sounds like she's got three distinct different ones. And Melinda is going to want to decide which is most important to never argue and negotiate with her daughter, to distribute the chores to both kids equitably, or to have your children contribute to household chores. Which is your top priority? Which one will you be more proud of in the long run? That when your kids are adults and they're living on their own, that you can look back and say, well, hey, I gave it my best shot. At least I tried. Or when they come back and complain to you, but how come you never taught me how to do laundry? And all my other roommates know how to cook and I don't. Because you know that's what's going to happen, right? No matter what you do, they're going to find something to complain about. Especially if that's your daughter's personality is to negotiate and complain. So she'll find something. But which one will you want to stand behind? Let's imagine that you choose number three, which is to commit to having your children contribute to the household chores, that that's your most important priority, that they're going to do something. They're going to learn a skill, even if they have to complain their way while doing it and they are just very vocal about how much they hate doing it. You still want them to participate in the household responsibilities and you're going to commit to it. So you want to be proud of this choice. Decide that this is more important than anything else. And no matter how much pushback you get, that this is for a good cause. If you do incorporate a chore chart, then you're going to do it with joy and determination regardless of how your kids feel about it. Now, like I said, you can always renegotiate. If you feel like it's not working, a month or two later, you can redo it. You can have the kids redo it. They can create their own chore chart. There's nothing set in stone here. There's not like one right way. You just want to make sure that you have a positive emotion about it and that determination and commitment. How you feel about your chore chart is more important than anything else. So if you decide that you're going to love it, decide that it doesn't have to last forever, but just commit to it. Prepare yourself for arguing, but plan ahead of time to just smile and point at the chart. Sometimes a chore chart can work out really nicely as like a weird mediator because you can point to the chart. You can say, well, it's not me. 
it's the chart telling you it's time to empty the dishwasher. You know, I'm not asking you to sweep the floor. It's the chore chart doing it. And some kids, this really is great and works very well because they can complain about it, but it's just the chore chart. It's just how things are. And so that can sometimes be a really helpful thing. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it makes kids want to do the opposite. But you know what? If it tells them that it's their day to empty the dishwasher and they choose to sweep the floor instead because they have to rebel against the chore chart, then heck, they sweep the floor, right? (laughs) Maybe you can do a little reverse psychology here and say vacuuming must be done on Mondays. And so every Monday they don't vacuum, but maybe they mow the lawn. I don't know. Go with the personality of the kid and the personality of you. If you like to have the chore chart to keep tabs on it, then do it and love it and enjoy it, okay? How you feel about the chore chart is more important than anything else. Today's Supermom Kryptonite is open loops. One of the reasons motherhood drains so many of us is that we are never done. The tasks are circular, and it's hard to get a sense of accomplishment. When do you get to feel like you've completed your job as mom? It doesn't happen, right? The daily grind of food prep, grocery shopping, laundry, dishes, cleaning, homework, it's just so circular that it's really hard for us to get that sense of a job well done, accomplishment. Now we can move on to something else. This makes it even more important that we close as many loops as we can. Having open loops or things in our head that we need to make decisions on, that we need to follow up on or complete, it's exhausting. So what I'm calling open loops is something that just still requires our attention. Maybe it's a conversation that you need to have, a difficult conversation you need to have with somebody, and you kind of have it inside your own head, but you don't necessarily have it out loud with that person. Maybe you need to set a boundary with the mother-in-law or something, and you're just dreading it. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have with your boss at work. Things like this will exhaust us, okay? But maybe it's just a decision that you need to make. Do I want to accept this position with the PTA? Yes or no. Making that decision will free up your energy. When we leave things undecided, it pulls our attention. And your energy goes where your attention goes. So when our attention is spread out into 50 different things, so is our energy. So in order to close this supermom kryptonite, to close this loop here, We've got to start making decisions and taking an action. Good or bad, right or wrong, we're just going to decide and do. In order to figure out what some of these open loops might be for you, you want to ask yourself these two questions every day. What is weighing on my mind? And what am I trying not to think about? Whatever your answers are to these questions, you're going to find a way to close the loop on something. You know, It could be something as simple as like making a decision of where you're going to take your vacation this summer or what you're going to do on the weekend or a conversation to have with your child's teacher. If it's chores and children, 
Just make a decision and stick with it. If it's a conversation you've been avoiding, have it and resolve it. And you can run it through in your mind first, in your imagination, in a journal, with a friend, with a life coach, with your partner. Like run it through your head so that you feel a little bit more comfortable about having it. But then just have it and get it done. Because indulging in indecision will always drain your energy. The more decisions that you make ahead of time, the more energy, the more creativity, and the more mental clarity you will have. Today's Supermom Power Boost is something I call softening. Now, this is counterintuitive because we think tension gives us power. In a way, it does, right? If you think of a runner in the starting blocks of a race, her body is tense and filled with latent energy. She's ready to explode into action. She exerts herself 100% full out in the race. After the race, she gets to relax and her body starts to soften, no longer needing to hold on to tension. The problem with super moms is that our race never ends. (laughs) We are constantly in the starting blocks and running, in the starting blocks and running. And we never get that sense that, ah, the race is over the job is complete. Now I can relax. It's ongoing. And so many super moms struggle with rest and relaxation. And yet pretty much we could acknowledge that it's not a healthy way to live in a constant state of tension and exertion, right? Like if you came, had a friend who came to you and said like, oh my gosh, I've been running for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I need to take a break, with your friend, you'd probably say, oh yeah, you need to relax and chill out. You deserve a couple of days off. But for ourselves, very often, super moms struggle with giving ourselves permission to do nothing, to fully relax because our job isn't done. It's very clear the children are not raised and out of the house yet. So I found kind of a shortcut for this and I call it softening. So what you want to do is you want to think about something that's causing you tension. Could be your kids and their chores. It could be your kids and their homework. It could be this conversation that you need to have with somebody. Think about something that causes you tension. Then find the tension in your body. Is it in your shoulders? Do you feel it in your jaw? Does your stomach get tight? Where do you notice the tension? And then physically soften that area of the body. Just allow it to soften. Eventually, we'll need to get the brain on board, but this is a really good quick first step. It will give you energy because it's more aligned with how our bodies are designed to work, to spend lots of time in rest and relaxation. And so the more you can allow yourself to have what you're supposed to have, lots of rest and relaxation time, the more natural energy you'll have. It's kind of like, you know, when you're stressed out and you're rushing around and someone says, hey, you need to relax. And it never makes you relax. (laughs) Telling super bums to relax just doesn't tend to work. It makes us do the opposite. Like I'll relax as soon as everything gets done and I'm tense because I'm running a race. But if you can just physically soften the body, nobody really thinks tension is a great thing for us. 
then we can start the process and relaxing the body. And then as the body starts to relax, it'll send a message up to the brain saying, yeah, it's okay. So it's okay to chill out a little bit. <laughs> we can rest. So try softening when you think of something that causes you tension and just see if it's a good first step on completing that race and getting that sense of accomplishment that you so deserve. Today's quote of the day is actually a Chinese proverb. Tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. Why have I found that to be true? Thank you so much for listening. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.